and it literally almost killed me. Honestly, to think, um, I, I can't imagine how close I came to not getting through it, yeah. either with my mind or my body. Yeah, yeah. But almost, you know, almost didn't. Yeah. I remember thinking, how ironic that she, my mother, chose to die. I want to live, and I thought I might be dying. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We're already laughing. Um, this is Dr. John Duffy. Hopefully you found the right place. Um, I am sitting um, here with one of my oldest, dearest friends, one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, she's beautiful. She's funny. She's intelligent. I'm going to oversell you until... Like, you said oldest uh, to start, but we'll go with them. All the other things are better. Go with them. Okay, we'll go with everything but that. Old, yeah. let's, let's remove oldest. Yeah. Let's edit oldest out. We can do that Yeah, later. that doesn't belong in, in the end. Right, right, right. Anyway, Eileen is with me here today. Welcome, yeah. Eileen. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, so um, I was hoping that we could talk today about your entire life <laughs> from, from, from birth till about now. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just kind of like, you know, um, your, your journey, the way you were parented and how that informs how you parent your kids today. And, yeah. um, so why don't we start back in time? You know, okay. tell me, tell me what, uh, what your early life was like a little bit. Okay. So partially when I think back on it and during it, I think my memories and my during the life of it, for the most part, I thought it was picture perfect. I was the youngest of three. Um, I have two older brothers, and so I was the only girl and the youngest. And I, I definitely thought I should be spoiled. I don't think that everyone followed suit because no one read in my family the only girl and the youngest, youngest. should be spoiled. My parents went a different and interesting route. They went the route of, oh, hell no, we saw what your brothers did. We're not making that mistake three times. <laughs> and then this is from people who used the rhythm method of birth control, and they did make that mistake three ah, times. So. they did. Yeah, so they were capable. So they did get stricter with me than I thought they might go. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. That's not the normal progression, no, is it? I should have. I really should have had it so much easier. The freest reign of all. I should have had the freest reign of yeah. all. And I was, in many ways, like very well behaved compared to my brothers who I thought, um, you know, pushed the limits. And then at the time, my mom kind of ruled the roost. I was a little maybe afraid of angering her. Yeah. She was kind of a pincher. Uh -huh. we, had a, we had a spanky paddle. Is that right? We did have a spanky paddle. Okay, yes. It, it was a toy paddle ball yep. that... That can do some damage, though. You can feel that, yeah? Oh, my God. First of all, why take our broken... You know, like, she couldn't wait for that toy to break. Then she puts red nail polish, and it says, Spanky Paddle, which I don't like that that message. She puts it in the laundry room, and then she says to you, when you've, you know, done some minor infraction, go get the Spanky Paddle. And I would reply, I can't find it, <laughs> although it has never moved except for the spanking moments. And so... Uh, yeah, that didn't, I just thought, you know, it was, it was much. And then my mother's reply to whether or not it was harsh was, you're going to talk to me about harsh? Talk to Norma. She's broken three of them. We're still on paddle number one. So you got lucky, right? In her eyes. It's amazing what, what, what flew, 
a generation ago, right? You Absolutely. know, a spanky paddle. If you if you walked the, around saying, "I've got a spanky paddle for yeah. my kids," I you put I, I wrote it in nail polish. You know, yeah, red. No, it sounds no, bad. It's a DCFS bad. call, right? And yeah. I'm so scared. Norma's going to hear this because she's alive and well today. She could look bad. Right. Norma, I'm so sorry. It may not have been you. It might have been Myra. It might have been Myra. It was Norma. one of my mother's friends went through several while my mother, Janice, was still on number uno. Right, right, right. So, so yeah. Please. So I didn't get as, as spoiled as I would have liked, but my parents were fun and funny, and kind of the rule of thumb growing up was humor would get you out of many an issue that could be a big issue. If everybody was laughing, there was a good chance they were going to forget about what you did. Is that right? Yes. So that that does explain some of your personality now, right? I mean, because yes. you use you are funny and you use humor a lot. I use humor appropriately and inappropriately anytime I'm scared or happy or angry. I, I use it most of the time. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not even funny. It's just what my go-to. Yeah. It's my go-to defense. You know, I've never had a weapon other than the spanky pedal that I saw. <laughs> I've never had a weapon, so, you know, humor at my house flew. Pretty Real good weapon. Far. Yeah. Was good. Was and good. was it a good regulator in your house? Did, did you feel like that was a good balancing, regulating um, method for running a family? Or was that just you? No. Um, uh, my dad loved humor. My mother, my mother, you know, kind of vacillated. She... I was going to say supposedly she was bipolar, although the whole vacillation makes it sound like perhaps she was. Um, and so a lot of the time she also, A, was really funny. Yeah. And then also appreciated humor. And I thought my brothers were, you know, in their ways pretty funny. Yeah. You know. So so this was, this was a big part of your life growing up was just like fun and funny in the house. Yeah. I mean, I remember one time... My brother and I, my, well, first of all, my big brother, Bruce, was, in our childish minds, you know, we were all like a year and a half apart. Bruce was babysitting Tim and I, and Bruce, we both felt, was, you know, kind of ogre-like in his treatment of us, and should not have been given a position of authority, right. and maybe this was the only time because it went so well. And I know that Tim and I locked him in the garage, and that... We were clever and knew that you had to hold your finger on the button of the garage because there was a tool that we all knew about with a red handle that you could unlock that door with. So while Tim was holding the button, or me, right? we don't know who, uh-huh. the other one called my grandmother to tell on Bruce and say, you got to get over here. We've locked Bruce in the garage. Imprisoned Bruce. Technically. Temporarily. Temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've locked him in the garage because... You know, my parents let him babysit, and he's, he's going to kill us. And my grandmother said, put him on the phone, not understanding what we needed from her. Right, right, right. And I, you know, I said, no, that's not going to fly. That's when he'll kill us. You know, so, no, no. We'll need you to come all the way over here, you know, the 10 blocks or whatever it was. Uh-huh. She's like, yeah, no. Uh, you tell Bruce, I want to talk to him right now. And we're like, oh, God, no, because we want to live. And then for whatever, you know, back, forth, back, forth, she she wins, we lose. We take our finger off that button, stupidly, because we know. And then it was like a, a cartoon of, like, feathers in our hair flying. While my grandmother, you know, with a dangling phone, must have been like, <laughs> oh, I might have made a mistake. Maybe he is going to kill those two. <laughs> right. You know, 
So, so was that was that a, a failure on your parents' part to recognize Bruce's monstrosity, ruthlessness? Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Or they just really wanted to go out. They went out almost every Saturday night. Was date night. Did they? Yeah. What was their relationship like? Were they? Was it a great love story? It it seemed like it. Uh-huh. They, um, you know, struggled maybe some financially. I think that my dad did everything possible to make my mother's life easier, as easy as he could, as pleasant as he could. Um, she, you know, he didn't like conflict. He liked a good joke. He liked a happy. She had dinner waiting on the table, no matter what time he came home, like magic. Uh-huh. And she never carried a grocery into the house. He, like magic, that door pulled into, you know, the She's pulling into the driveway, and by the way, she was a scary driver, so it shouldn't have been that hard to hear people fleeing, <laughs> shredded clothing on the front of her car. And when, you know, she never carried in a bag. Like, whatever could be done for her, he did. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was, like, very chivalrous. Yes. And, and that that wasn't necessarily the norm then, right? I mean... No, he was, like, in his way, and even to me, and as an only daughter, and I think to my brothers, he was bigger than life, like a hero. Really, like a John Wayne or an Andy Griffith to us, yeah. Jumping, jumping forward a generation just for a second, I've heard you describe your husband in similar terms. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. Maybe, yeah, he, um, bigger than life in all the right ways, a great, per- yeah, very much alike in their in their ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so your dad had this kind of like he was a care- he took care of your mom. Absolutely. Yeah. The whole family, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What was your mom like? She was, well, you know, uh, funny and um, a hard worker. She wasn't real tall because I had to reach for a lot of things she couldn't reach. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she was, I mean, she had a spirit, a lot of fun. There was an odd sense, though, I didn't understand or know what back then it was called manic depressive and we never brought it up there were two times it came up organically in my remembrance of it was when i think i was 12 or 13 we weren't allowed to lock our doors i mean that Mm -hmm. was a rule Mm -hmm. and somebody called i'm gonna say norma because we kind of you know gave her a bad moment norma's really falling under the bus here by the way no this is a saving moment Uh, okay let's let's go making a a comeback (laughs) so I think Norma called, and it was for my mom, and I got the phone, I was like 11 or 12, and the door was locked. And she was like groggy, calm through, saying she was taking a nap, which she never did. Mm-hmm. And we weren't allowed to lock the doors. And um, I, oddly, should have been more afraid in the way my house went of breaking the door, which I did. But that's when I found out my mother, maybe I sensed it, but she had a, te- had a suicide attempt then. And, you know, I found her, she'd taken a lot of pills, and... Um, you found her. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she went to the hospital, and they said she wouldn't make it. And I remember praying and really being confirmed that I believed in God then as my prayers were answered, and she did live. And and then, you know, maybe the worst misstep of all in my whole family was that we weren't allowed to talk about it. My mother was embarrassed. My dad told all of us, you know, when she was going to come home and that we were never going to talk about it. It was going to be that she had a bad reaction to um, medicine. Wow. And and I think maybe um, at the time, how old were you around? I was around 10 or 11. And, and, and maybe if you didn't find her, 
that would be, you know, the um, mythology your family would sell. I think a lot of families would do that, but you knew, you all knew exactly what had happened, right? That must have made it so odd for you. It was, I think, um, I don't think I completely understood it, even though some instinct must have understood that she was sad. I don't remember thinking of her as sad, mm -hmm. but I obviously was concerned with the whole door locking thing, and it wasn't like we were, you know... I don't know that, you know, something seemed wrong. Yeah. And then, um, you know, then she came out of the hospital and medication adjustment later, we had a completely normal, good, perfect series of, you know, the rest of my childhood. And so, so did that, that moment of, of suicidality feel like a blip? I mean, or did you feel like, no, that affected my teenage years? I think what it became was my worst fear, mm. but then, you know, then not talking about it was, um, odd, you know, it was, it was just a whole weird thing. And things normalized over time. Be beyond. Yeah. Beyond. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and, um, medically there was, there was something that happened where she was herself, huh? Yes. And then, I mean, it was, there was a family history, you know, my grandmother would go in and out of the hospital from time to time, and I knew that her mm -hmm. mother had. Yeah. And, um, you know, there so there was fa a whole family history. Right. And then I knew that my brother had had some issues. You know, again, we weren't going to chit chat about it long and hard. And I can uh, one thing that's striking to me is you're not talking about your childhood like you know it was about that at yeah. all. It, it really wasn't, you know, for the most part, it was about, you know, Sunday was family day and we went somewhere fun that was, you know, like a, a park or um, out of town or to a hotel and spent the night, you know, whatever. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't like big and extravagant, but it was often and fun and funny. And, you know, you know, my memories of childhood were pretty great. That's uh, impressive in a way, isn't it? I mean, if you, if you, I don't know if you, if you can kind of like remove yourself from it and reflect on it, but it feels like. Wow, given that circumstance, that outlier moment, you know, it sounds like that's it's it's amazing, I guess maybe to the credit of both your parents that they created this um what seems like a safe special fun environment for you. Yeah, and I think life was different then like you know, the things that didn't get talked about and there wasn't the internet, there wasn't the social pressure and you know, people didn't know not like it was something I wouldn't have talked about. Right. But um it was just a different world then. It was a simpler world. And, you know, your neighborhood kind of dictated a lot of your happiness. And I, you know, we had a million friends in the neighborhood and we went outside and played, you know, kickball, baseball, basketball, whatever, yeah, every day yeah. after school. And they had a blast. Right, right, right. So I definitely remember mostly all fun. That's amazing. I mean, that, that, that um, given like kind of the shade of darkness in the story, it's amazing that by and large, the story's good. How did things progress from 10, 11, 12? Well, you, you know, I think all was pretty great. I mean, at least it is now in my yeah, mind, yeah, you know, so yep. good enough. Did you ever, um, did you ever worry, um, you, you know, that there's like some mental illness in my family my, mm -hmm. and, and manic depression mm -hmm. and, um, 
people have asked me like, did you ever think that was going to be you? And, and I, I can honestly say like, I don't know why I didn't think I was me, but, but I never really did worry about that. You know, and my, my, my younger brother, my closest relative, you know, uh, carried that same diagnosis and I never really worried. My father was alcoholic. I never really worried that yeah. I was going to be alcoholic. Yeah. Do you, do you, did you ever think like, Oh gosh, that's going to be I me. I think I was late coming to the realization that it was a worry I should have. Right. And I, re- I think after my mom died, which, you know, uh, well, I was like 20, you know, almost 30 when my mom died. And I remember after she died, which that almost killed me. And I remember thinking then, now I'm almost 30 years old. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, God, I hope I'm not bipolar. <laughs> I think my uncle, find, you know, I think I like was saying it to, you know, everyone. Yeah. And I think my uncle said, you know, you'd probably have symptoms, you know, already. So I think I like that seemed like plausible to me, and I was like, okay, and I let go of it uh-huh. kind of as fast as it came in then, and it left then. No kidding, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What were your 20s? Unless you think I'm bipolar now, and you're just trying um, to find the way to tell me I, uh, the podcast. I'm going to... Ooh, Colin! Spoiler let alert! People, let people call him. She's bipolar. Uh, I've worked with bipolar people in the past. I think I know. The yeah. texts are coming in now, Eileen. <laughs> She's the happiest bipolar we've ever worked. She's manic. She's in the right pole right now. <laughs> Don't mix them. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, if you're willing to go here with me, you and I were joking wildly inappropriately earlier yeah. today sure. about um, our families yes. and uh, yeah. maybe some of the tragic elements of, of things that have happened in our families. Yes, because um, it's fun. Because it's fun no and, and it's coping and it's yeah. denial. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, we both lost somebody to to suicide. Look, um, you saying it so easy. It was, <laughs> I couldn't be more comfortable with this topic. Heard it. So we both listened to that. Suicide. We should be a little more reverent. somber and yes. reverent, right? Yes. Um, Which we were. We were. Yes. We were. And, 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 and yeah. Well, we, not, were we were appropriate. We were appropriate. You're just going to have to take our word for yeah. that. <laughs> there's no one else to tell you about what we were. So appropriate. Yes, absolutely. Um, is it is it fair to ask, you know, what was it like to lose your mom in that way? It was almost um, when if, you know, if you have your worst fears realized, it's almost like the moment in any horror film. It's our biggest fear that that could happen. It almost killed me. Honestly, to think... Um, I, I can't imagine how close I came to not getting through it, yeah. either with my mind or my body. Yeah, yeah. But almost, you know, almost didn't. And and, and um, you know, all all joking aside, you're not you're not kidding at all, no. right? I mean, you mean you you yeah, almost I, didn't survive. It. I almost didn't survive it. Yeah. I remember thinking how ironic that she, my mother, chose to die. I want to live, and I thought I might be dying. I was wow. not sure what had happened. I found out when I was out of the country, I kind of went into shock. I didn't know that or get treated, you know, wasn't seeing anyone. So, um, you know, my mind and body were racing. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was trying to eat, but there probably wasn't enough calories. Of course, I wish, you know, that was my state now, but in the world to keep me going. And so I got down to, you know, 80 pounds, 70 pounds. You know, I was I was going away. and Literally would, fading away. Fading you were away. dying, dying. In, in a way, And I yeah? would go for help. I would go to a doctor, go to the hospital. And you get so crazy. You know, I looked like a, a, 
a crackhead. You don't look good at that way. And I would be in, you know, a group where they would go, okay, well, she's probably, you know, got an eating disorder. Right. Which I see why they would think that. Sure. And I'd be sitting around a table and, you know, people are, you know, I'm in the wrong group. You know, they're sitting there like, hey, I remember specifically this girl who's kind of had a no, not kind of, but was being fed through her nose. Uh-huh. And she was see-through. Her skin was see-through. I'm not saying I looked better. I didn't have the nose thing happening. So I felt like I looked better, right. but I didn't. Right, right, and right. so, you know, she's like, you know, we're goals for the day. And she's like, you know, I just want to lose five more pounds. And I think I had reached my limit because there was also a guy that wanted the TV on and it was. And so I was like listening to this guy go, I just want to turn the TV on. Like over and over and over. And I'm like, oh my God, you did. You know, so so you, were, you were hospitalized and in a group. I went to the hospital. Got it. You know, like, put myself there, trying to figure out, like, what's wrong. You know, I thought I was going to die. Mm -hmm. I end up, like, admitting myself I'm in this group, but it's eating disorders, so what a bummer. Right, you know, right, right. You know, during lobby time, you know, there's this guy without an eating disorder who wants the TV on, it's on. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. You know, wow. And, 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 and would, what would you describe the issue that brought you there? I would describe it as not getting help when I was in need, you know, maybe at 110 pounds, at 100 pounds, at 80, you know, I should have been going to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. And yet, cleverly, <laughs> I was going to work every day and carrying on my, but, you know, slipping. And, but, and then I would go to like the ER you know, and get fluids or, you know, and then talk to some doctor and they're little like, little stop gaps, little stop like, gap. and they would be like, you know, who's the president and, you know, yep, yep. You know and just uh, orient you. Oh, yeah. you're sane and yeah, you can I go can. home now. Yeah. You know, the president is good. Good job. You know? And, and, um, if we took all diagnostics out of it, was it a broken heart? Was it grief? I think it was grief and guilt and, and, you know, horror and yeah, so much guilt that I probably, didn't think I deserved to live through it. Wow, really? I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not the doctor. I, think. <laughs> I don't want to weigh in on that. I don't want to tell you how to do your job. Well, I can imagine being out of the country when yeah, it happened. That, that did, did, was did, very disorienting. Yeah, I can. I, I, in fact, I, when I say I can imagine it, I mean I can't. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. So, like, I was. I had no. You know. In fact, my now husband, then oh God, poor guy told me, this is the second time he told me that a parent died. And honestly, mm -hmm. um, I didn't, uh, you know, talk about blaming the messenger. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And, you know, that went horribly. Right. And I, I think I didn't even understand what he was talking about, what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. And it was horrible. Right. Um, there wasn't going to be a good way for it to go. I was going to say, but right. it went every bad way possible. Yep, yep. It sounds like it. Yeah. How... How did things resolve? You're here. It's you. You know, a couple decades later, right? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. Uh, how did things resolve for you from that point? I mean, it sounds like you, you know, were. If you if you were the kind of person who believes, you know, that you're spiritual or believe in God, and I I am all of that. Um, I would tell you that at one of the lowest points, when when I definitely thought, what a crazy punishment! I'm going to die because my mother wanted to, and I want to live. And I remember bawling. I'm walking to work thinking, God, just give me a sign, any sign. Like, I trip over a sign that's like a real estate sign. I'm in real estate, and I'm like, what's the sign? I'm supposed to go to work? <laughs> you know, like, really? And then I remember thinking, 
I don't want to die. I don't want to die. The irony is I want to live. I, I want to live. And I get the irony. And I get the, I get the contrast with where your mom was. So I think that I definitely believed that I, I was given that challenge. Like, if you're not going to value your life, if mm-hmm. you're going to let this be your life, then, then you don't have a life. Or you can wow. fight for a life, have one, and not let this, this be your story. You know, that someone, not like someone else, it wasn't like they were writing this as my story, you know. Right. But it was becoming my story real fast. Well, I think, and it, I think um, losing a parent to suicide can become somebody's story. I've worked with many people who that's their that's what we're working through for yeah. a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, and and there is a choice in there, I think, not to live, um, yeah. not, not to move on from it yeah. um, I mean, or, or assimilate it. I wasn't consciously making that choice, right? but it was definitely there. Yeah. It was definitely there. Did, did you ever feel, um, you mentioned the word guilt, like did you ever feel guilty for moving on, for having a life, for yes. being not unhappy? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Not... Not when I got well, right? But during that slide into um, seeing how far I could push things, I definitely felt guilty. I was on vacation, right? So that's my dad Man. had died a couple years before. I at that point when he was ill was going back and forth commuting to Indiana. You know, I felt like I didn't have a life, and I was vacationing and doing stuff with my mom. But then I felt like now I wanted to build my life again. Right. And kind of left. Now I'm on vacation. Yeah. I definitely felt guilt for that slide. You know, like I felt terrible. Yeah. No, I can tell. Um, So when, when I think about my brother who, who died of suicide, um, I sometimes think like, am I honoring his life enough, you know, like yeah. it was a long time ago. I sometimes have to think about like, boy, what, what do I remember exactly what he looked like, what he sounded yeah. like, you know, yeah. um, do, do you ever have that kind of uh, feeling like, you know, am I honoring her enough? It's, it's funny. I, I still have this guilt. In fact, being your friend has made this more difficult <laughs> because I watched you oddly that you would say you, you had any of that guilt. I mean, you, have built your life as an adult changing careers you took a life of helping people and I remember when I was well after my month I thought I'm probably going to work a suicide hotline I'll at least do that and I thought about being a therapist could I go back to school you know toyed with all these you know very inspirational things that I could do right I could do (laughs) and then I remember on the whole suicide hotline thing which was the easier commitment I thought at some point and this is before doing day one this is just not even getting the phone number to how to proceed there (laughs) we have not made a move we've made no move we possibly written down that would be a good idea or just mentally thought it right and I remember thinking I could be helping someone or it could go badly I could Make, I could relive hell because I could, you know, you're on the phone. It doesn't, there's no guarantee you're good at it. Right. And even if you were good at it, even if you're great at it, you're going to lose some of the calls. If you volunteer often, something's going to go wrong. 
I quickly You're getting people assess, in crisis, man. Yeah. yeah. I assess that I might not be the right person for that particular job. Yeah. Isn't it possible that that was the right call, though? I yes. mean, I, so you're not holding your feet to the fire like, mm-hmm. I should have done that. You're glad no, you didn't. Then I, could, then I went to minor things that would have been still a good idea. Not that I've done that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I should go back to school. I should be a therapist. Or let's say minor, let's go to a commitment even less than that. I was like, you should walk in one of those, walk out of dark, like raise money. Right. I still think those good thoughts. Oh, right, someday it's going to happen. There, there, there's good intention there. And, and listen, here, when I know you well, and I, I think that the, the tribute that you are is that you are joyful. Like you, you are joyful and you make people feel joyful. I mean, you know, um, and, and, and I think you have this clarity about the human spirit that hardly anybody has. And, and I think, I think you help people enormously. You helped my wife yesterday through something difficult. I think it's great that you're saying that. And I think because I have not done some kind of a -a walkathon or even, you know, made a call, I think it's important (laughs) that we recognize the good in me before, if people could call in here, and frankly, they would just have to call my house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're not going to publish your number here. (laughs) I might not come out as good as I thought I would when I started this story, (laughs) but... Thankfully, you have spun a web of good there at the end that makes me sound better. Well, I, I, I mean, I mean it sincerely. I think, I think you can, in in the midst of something tragic, I think you can choose to just embody that for a lifetime. People do it all the time in a stealth way. I think I don't think it's necessarily something you just decide like yeah. this. I'm going to be yes. about this, but yeah. I think people. I've worked with people, and you you know people who yeah. have just just become. Um, victims yeah. to, you know, like, oh, this, this happened to me. I, I lost my mother and my brother yeah. in this way. And yeah. so life's not good anymore. Yes. You and know? I, I definitely went down that flagpole and then, you know, almost really screwed up just so close, you know? And then I think I have a lucky charm, a guardian angel, you know, a, a God. I have luck, you know? You do? I, you think, you think you have luck? I have it all. I definitely know that. Yeah. I have put myself in the most moronic situations. <laughs> I will be honest with you. And this doesn't make me sound good either. So in college, hitchhiking, again, I come off like a moron. It's th- <laughs> we should begin with, I lead a fairly successful life. I'm fine now. Eileen's very successful. I do She's, okay. Yes. Whatever. You're a very reputable human being. I'm just prefacing moron time. So in college... <laughs> My friend and I decide, and she's a real cute girl, that we should hitchhike to visit another friend several hours away. Let's call it Bloomington, where you're <laughs> Right, right. Just the other friend. And I'm like, not only is this strike me as, what a great idea. That's going to be so much fun. But if we wear short shorts, I bet we will make better time. You know we what? Might... That's, a, that's how we talk to our daughters now, right? Yes. Great idea. Of course. It's so, going to work out. It is going to work out. Yeah. You get to see to Bloomington. Yes. <laughs> now, we get all the way to Bloomington on brilliance. Clearly, I'm on to some very, very smart idea. And now we're hitchhiking back still with the same genius. My friend Lori, before we get in the you know first ride on the way home, says... 
I have brought, you know, I think it was mace or pepper spray or right. something. She's got her, her little pocket. Barely fits in. Because Barely fits in her little jeans. of lipstick, we don't want to waste pocket room when we can be wearing short shorts. <laughs> but uh, we go, okay, that is genius, too. Right. Genius. We're on a ride. We've been picked up, and we are almost all the way back to our home, you know, five hours away, back to our school. And... I am thinking, this is a great ride. The guy has said nothing, not a thing, other than where you're going. I'm like, this is the best time. All we're doing is chit-chatting, reminiscing about all the fun we've had. And he turns around, and I quote, this is the only thing he said other than where you headed. Hours. We are four hours into a good ride. Fun time. And he says... I love this moment in the story right here. (laughs) This is where you go, she is so smart. He said... Want some candy, little girls? Oh. I remember thinking, hitchhiker talk for check, please. I said, we're here. And there's nothing near us. Not a thing. Oh, so there I, it is. In most movies, this would be where something bad yeah, happens. This is the turning point. This is this where is the, the that one note and is I being played. And I see my friend's fingers go to the lipstick pepper spray that will for sure save us. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. And oddly, he pulled the car over and we got out. You're kidding. I'm not. Which means, A, he may have had no ill intentions. B, we might not have looked as good as I felt like we did. <laughs> That's not even possible. I'm, not. I'm pretty sure we rocked them. <laughs> so C, I have luck. Because that should have gone bad. That's a, that's a, that's a compelling story that suggests luck. I never hitchhiked again. Really? So you learned a lesson. I did. Right, right. Look at me. What Look a at you. Yeah, genius. Yeah. Genius. Do you think you make luck? I mean, that story would suggest no. <laughs> no, no, John, I don't. I think I had luck because honestly, the short, short, you know, it just wasn't dumb enough. It, right, right, right. Hey, yeah. No, you could have made different choices. I, I gotta, I gotta I agree. I think there were better choices. Maybe better choices. Yes, yeah. and it wasn't like my parents never had the hitchhike talk. Well, we had that talk. Okay. If you don't think there was a red spanking panel, if my mother ever heard this story, I don't care how old I was. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you still talk to her? My mom? Yeah. Never. No. Never. No. I do sometimes find myself, on the few times I'll let myself cry, which is hardly ever because I cried so hard then. When I lost either parent, I cried so hard. I remember thinking I I was scared that it was every time I was alone. It actually, that did happen. Every time I was in the car, every time I was alone. There was like a huge, you know, ugly cry fest. Ugly crying. Yeah? Ugly crying that no one should ever be witness to. But you had the catharsis. You had the moment. Yeah. And it was constant every time I was alone. And then I would talk. Like it was talking, crying, like, you know how kids cry. And they're like, I just want my candy. (laughs) It was that. (laughs) Right, right, right. I was, you know, my late 20s, almost 30 with my eyes. And I remember... I've done that some, but I wouldn't call that talking to her. I would call that humiliating and, you know. I, <laughs> and grieving, very, right? I grieving, mean, it seems like yeah. grieving. That, yes. It seems yeah. like ugly grieving. Right, right. Not the kind of grieving we would ever go to a group with. Right. <laughs> solo ugly that grieving. That is solo grieving. And it should be. Okay. First of all, I, I appreciate how forthcoming you are. You've been about this because I think, you know, um, well, we know this touches Almost every family in some way. Um, I want to... Are you willing to stick around for another episode and talk about how this informs the rest of your life? 
Might be busy, John, but well, let's think about that. Let's think about let's that. Let's think about that. Schedules. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take callers. All right, come back. We're going to talk more with Eileen. You can find this podcast online at iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching School, and WGN+. On my website, there's a free parenting program, uh, drjohnduffy.com. If you are a parent, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, some really good ideas there. Uh, if you have thoughts or ideas uh, for this podcast or if you are someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, uh, please email me at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the Undo Anxiety Podcast.